thank you for joining us this morning to worship and celebrate the Son of God because today we're in this house for a reason. It's because the Son of God lived the perfect life we could not live. He died the death that we deserved. And then he conquered death so that we may live. And because of that, today, some 2,000 years later, we still proclaim that same truth that was said on that first Resurrection Sunday, that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to have to work on that today. <laughs> because you might not realize that you're going to help me preach the sermon today. Because Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You see, every single person that professes Jesus Christ, you are actually a living testimony to the validity of the resurrection. So this sermon is too big for one preacher. Instead, all born-again believers all across the world today proclaim that Christ is risen. He is risen Christ is risen it's getting busy right now because we are hitting spring. And things come alive during the spring. Our grass is turning green, flowers are starting to bloom, but society's coming alive right now. Some of y'all have gone back to the workplace for the first time in a long time. Some of you have calendars that are filling up with kids' activities. School is winding down, spring sports are in full swing. All of us have hopefully vacations in the summer with new opportunities that we're looking towards. And with all the busyness that society is bringing our way right now, it's tough sometimes to keep up with it all. But the way I keep up with it all is this right here. My phone buzzes at me all day long. And it's not because I'm popular and I'm getting texts or phone calls. It's because I'm getting reminders that constantly are coming to my phone. Reminding me of a meeting that's about to happen. Reminding me of a phone call I need to make. Of a deadline that's approaching. Of a birthday. Of a child's practice or game. Whatever it may be, my phone lights up and it vibrates all day long. And it's because if I don't have reminders, what will naturally happen is I'm going to forget what matters the most. In church, Easter is a beautiful reminder because it reminds all of us of the most important thing. And that is 2,000 years ago, a man overcame death so that all of us can live. And perhaps you've been distracted. I don't know what season of life you're in, but today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul is going to remind all of us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not only is he going to remind us of the gospel, he's going to remind us of the power of the gospel so that if we may receive it, we can leave here different than the way we came in because Christ is risen. If you have your Bible, join me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we are. Perhaps the greatest chapter on the resurrection, we are only going to focus on the first two verses, but I encourage you to read through this over the course of today. Beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells us, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So the Apostle Paul has a reminder for the church of Corinth. And what is the reminder he's giving them? It's the gospel. 
He reminds the church, which is important to note that. He says, I remind you brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's speaking to those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I need to bring something to your attention. And what is it? It's something they already knew. The gospel. He brings it back to their hearts and minds. And what he's telling us is we never get past the gospel. We never move on in our Christian journey. We never become numb to the life-changing story of Jesus Christ. Instead, he says, let me bring you back to square one. I remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. Well, then the question is, what is the gospel? The gospel in its purest definition is good news. It's a compound word in the Greek. It's euangelion, you, meaning good, angelion meaning an announcement, news. And he says, I remind you of this good news that I preach to you. It's interesting that word, gospel, the euangelion, that word came over a course of history and it arrived into the church, but it wasn't something the church made up. It was a word that was contextualized to help explain the message of Jesus Christ. But actually, if you look to that story of the word and where it goes back, there's actually a heritage in it that goes back to military history. Because in ancient times, people would go to battle. And you'd live in these fortified villages with walls, and the watchtowers would look out, and they'd see an enemy approaching the town, the village. And in ancient times, what they would do is send out the army to fight, to defend it. And the army would go out, and then you'd have the elderly, the women, the children, those who could not fight, staying behind. And they were on pins and needles because they knew that they were going out to fight an enemy to defend them. But they also did not know what was going to happen. This was before social media. It was before news outlets. They didn't know how the war was going. So what the army would do is they would send a messenger back to the people. And if they were victorious, they would send the messenger with good news, with a proclamation to tell all of those who were on standby. And the messenger would come into the town, and he would gather them around, and he'd tell them, I have good news for you. A battle has been won on your behalf. That you had an enemy who wanted to destroy you, but others have sacrificed so that you may live. In church, we have a euangelion. A battle has been won on your behalf. Jesus Christ came into this world to fight that battle. Because scripture tells us we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have a champion in Jesus Christ who came to give you life and life to the full. So Paul says, I want to remind you of that good news that though you were dead in your transgressions, you are now made alive in Jesus Christ. We all have good news in this place that you can live. You can have new life today, but new life forever with him. But notice he said only some people will have that, because did you catch it? Go back to the text. He said, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you. But then he says, which you received. You see, he calls them brothers and sisters in Christ because he says, you heard that good news proclamation, but you didn't just hear it, you received it. You took it as your own. And what Paul's telling us today is that the gospel has to be received. The gospel has to be received. 
He says, you heard of that victory that Christ has won for you, but you didn't just hear it. He says, you actually claimed it as your own. You received that gift of salvation. And this is how you receive it. You have to accept that gift that God has given you in Jesus Christ. Years ago, I was in Houston, and I started my ministry as a youth pastor, like most pastors do. And I remember during those early days, like every other new minister, I was completely broke. But I was also engaged to my wife, Bethany. And we were approaching our marriage, our wedding. And I was getting ready for all those things. And of course, when you're approaching a wedding, one thing you've got to figure out is the bachelor party. And so I had a guy that was actually at the church, one of my youth workers, he said, Jonathan, what are you going to do for your bachelor party? And I was like, well, brother, I'm a pastor and I'm broke, so it's not going to be that interesting. I don't really know. But, but he looked at me and he said, you know what? I've got something if you want it. He said, I want to give you some tickets to an Astros game. And I said, sure, of course. Who would say no to any free ticket? But I found out they weren't normal free tickets. They were Diamond Club tickets. And if you don't know what Diamond Club tickets are, you do if you just watch a Houston Astros game because they're the 10 to 15 rows right behind home plate. And he gave me a set of these, about four of them, for me and my buddies to go. And I received that ticket. I remember we pulled up to Minute Maid Ballpark. And when you have a Diamond Club ticket, it's not a ticket. It's a new life. It is a completely (laughs) new life. I mean, I pulled up to that stadium. It was as if I was on the roster. I pulled in, and there was a parking spot waiting for me 20 yards from the door. And I walked to the door, and they're looking at my ticket, probably thinking, how on earth are you here? And I get this ticket. They scan it, and they invite me inside. And me and my buddies, we go in, and then we went under the ballpark. I didn't even know there was an under, but I went under the ballpark, and then after I get off this escalator, I see this vibrant room filled with food, and they had everything. I mean, they had prime rib, but they had hot dogs. If you're a baseball purist, and you, of course, are able to eat anything and everything you want, so we start sinning with the sin of gluttony, and we're just gorging ourselves and eating and eating, and then we finish, and the game's about to start, and they say, this way to your seats. Well, the way you get to your seats is you go up, up a ramp, like a baseball player, and you ascend up towards the ballpark. And as you're going up, you see concession stands, but it makes no sense because there's no workers there. And they say, you can have anything you want. I'm like, anything I want? There's Cracker Jacks and popcorn and drinks. They said, yeah, it's all free. So I'm like, I'm glad I brought my big jacket today. I'm going (laughs) to fill it all up and take all this stuff up there. And I get to my seat, and I'm in awe. Because if you've ever sat in a seat like that, the view is different. It's amazing. And not only was the view different, I started seeing those who were sitting with me. I saw Nolan Ryan right there. I saw local politicians there, business leaders there, the most elite. And I started just humbly thinking, why am I here? I don't belong. I don't belong here because I never could have paid for that ticket. And I understood the only reason I was there in that place was because someone else paid that ticket for me, and they gave me that gift. You see, a friend called me with good news and said, I want to give you a whole new life. And I just simply said, thank you. And I received that gift. And this is how the gospel works. Because one day in the kingdom of God, those that get to heaven, none of them are going to get there because they paid for it themselves. 
None of them are going to get there because they were moralistic. None of them are going to get it because they were spiritual. None of them are going to get it because they went to church or their parents went to church or someone else they know is worse than them. Those things do not get you into this place. What gets you into this place is the free gift of salvation of Jesus Christ. And every person who enters into the kingdom has received it and simply said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, we're told if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's the boss, he's the king, he's the one we surrender to, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, the good news is good for those who receive it. So my question is, have you received it? Certainly you've heard it preached. You've actually heard it preached today if you've never heard it before. But these people in Corinth heard the gospel and then they received it. And their lives were changed because Christ is risen. Christ is risen. But after you receive it, it changes you. He continues, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, and he says, in which you stand. So he goes to the past tense effect. They've received Christ. They surrendered their lives to him. They've been given the righteousness of Christ through simply their faith and trust in his finished work. But he says, not only did you receive it, he says the gospel has an impact on you right now. He says you're standing on it. You're standing on its truth, that it's actually helping you every single day of your life, giving you strength beneath your feet because the gospel gives us good footing. The gospel gives us good footing. We receive the gospel, but then the gospel changes us, gives us a new life, new perspective, new heart, new mind, new peace, new courage, new boldness. And the reason why we have this new life and the reason why we have better footing is because we don't stand alone. Instead, we walk with him and talk with him and he changes us and gives us new life. When I was in Houston, unfortunately, I saw a lot of floods during my 12 years there. I was there for two different hurricanes, countless other floods. We were blessed never to be directly impacted by it, but I know plenty of people that were. Some people I knew had their houses flooded three times in five years. And I remember our church was activated. When homes were in a moment of crisis, we would deploy and we'd help. We'd be the church, which we should be. And we were helping clean out the houses and come alongside and pray. And I remember we got into this house one day and it was completely devastated. It had held water probably six feet high. Everything was completely a waste. And we were having to strip that house down to the studs, and we started removing virtually everything that this family owned and threw it on the curb as trash. And as we're doing this, I remember we were interacting with the homeowner, and he was a young homeowner, similar age to me, young family. And normally when you interact with the homeowner, understandably so, there's a lot of grief, and there's a lot of tears, a lot of pain. But I remember I was interacting with this guy, and he was different. He was actually smiling, and he was hosting us, thanking us, helping us. It was a completely different experience, and other people could see it. 
In fact, I heard one volunteer even say to him, kind of stating the obvious of, how are you holding it together so well as we're literally throwing away everything he owns on the curb? And he looked at them and just smiled, and he said, I still have everything I need, everything. Because what he understood was if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything you need. You see, you can have everything and not have Jesus, and you actually have nothing. But on the other side, you can have Jesus and have nothing, but actually have everything. And it's because we stand with Jesus Christ during all of our storms. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, every single person is going to build their house on one of two foundations. He said, some people choose sand. They choose the pursuits of the world. They choose their own pleasure. They choose whatever is calling their name. And he says, when the storms come, because the storms will come, he said, the homes that build on the sand, they wash away. But he said, those who build on the rock, they're different. When you build your life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and you stand on the promises of God, suddenly you're able to weather storms that other people cannot. And I just want to warn you, there's a lot of storms when we walk out these doors. Right now, there are problems left and right. Some of you have problems in your own households. You have marriage problems, parenting problems, financial problems. Inflation is getting scarier by the day. There's war and rumors of war. There's anxiety. There's fear. There's anger, resentment, division in our country. And the storms will rage. But Jesus Christ says, I'll help you stand. If you stand on the gospel and the promises of his word and you stand with Jesus Christ, you have good footing. So my question to you is, how are you standing do you need someone to stand with you? Because there's good news. Christ is risen. He continues in verse 2. He says, I remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand. But then he says, by which you're being saved. And I love that part right there. He says the gospel justified you when you received it. Christ's righteousness was credited to you. You're standing on the gospel and his promises as Jesus Christ is standing with you, giving giving you your grace in time of need. But he says also you're being saved right now. And I love that he says that because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been justified through faith. But Jesus Christ is still saving me today. Because we're told in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you, justification, will be faithful to complete it on that day of Christ Jesus, glorification. And on the space between those two moments is a journey called sanctification. And Jesus Christ progressively will change you and change me to look more like himself. You see, he's saving me every day. He changes me. I'm not the same man I was five years ago, and by God's grace, I won't be the same man five years later. That he's always changing me. And because of that, I have hope. Because also, like you, some days we don't act as saved as we do on other days. And we all need God's grace. But what Paul just said is, he's going to stick with you. He's going to continue to save you. He's going to continue 
to change you if you simply stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews explains it well in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, he gave us that entry through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He just said, we have confidence. We can draw near that even when we sin, we can remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Once you've received the gospel and you stand on its promises, you can have assurance of your salvation and you can have confidence as you leave here because the gospel gives us confidence. The gospel gives us confidence that even when we sin and even when we fall short, Jesus Christ and his arms are wide open. You see, every day you can experience new life. If you've been in your old life, today you could actually come back to a new life that he'll wash you clean over and over and over again. I know for me in my own personal house, I'm, I'm a little hard to live with sometimes because I'm a little bit OCD. I'm not clinically OCD. I just like stuff clean. That's just who I am. And I like things clean, but the only problem is I don't live alone. So with that, things are not always clean, and truthfully, I'm not either. But the one thing I've been able to be very OCD about and control is my truck because my truck, I can keep it clean. I live in that car all week long. So I keep a clean truck. I like washing it. I like vacuuming it. I like it being spotless. But there are some problems. Sometimes I have passengers in my truck, <laughs> little passengers. And we have soccer games, and we have snacks, and we have crushed goldfish, and we have smushes, smudged fingers on windows, and all of these things. And what was clean can become so dirty so quickly, and mistakes can be made. But there's some grace in that situation. It's that I can go back to the car wash because I have a subscription, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I can go back. I belong to that car wash. And I can go back, and when things are messy, it can be made new again because there's unlimited washings at that place. <laughs> but church, I want you to know, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ... If you've received that gift, not heard the gift, but received the gift, if you're standing on the promises of God, you can be cleansed over and over and over and over. And in fact, if you've been in a season of sin and if you've been far removed, you can draw near with confidence and come back knowing he's going to accept me and he'll just continue to wash over me over and over and over again. And my question to you is this morning, do you need to go through the car wash? Have you wandered? Have you gone a direction and you wish that you want to come home? God will give you new life today if you hear the word, but then receive it, stand on its promises, he'll clean you up the rest of your life and then he'll take you home because Christ is risen Christ is risen. He is risen 
Remember the gospel because the gospel has the power to change your life.